seated. So good morning, morning. and Merry Christmas. Christmas. Hey, I want to give a very heartfelt thank you on behalf of my family and I. Yesterday was a beautiful day. We uh, celebrated the life of my father-in-law. We had his memorial service yesterday, and it was just awesome to see uh, the family of God come together yesterday. This house was just packed full of people from three different churches. Oh, there were more churches here, but it was primarily three churches that helped put it together. And to see everyone work together to fill all the needs that needed to happen uh, to pull that off was beautiful. It really was. And so I want to just say thank you so very much to all of you who have stepped up in some form or fashion to fill a need, um, from the food to the cleanup to preparation. It was just awesome. And uh, Pastor Josh from Revive gave an invitation near the end of the service yesterday and we had seven people, if not more, that um, you know, decided to commit their lives to the Lord or recommit their lives to the Lord. So how fitting and beautiful. My father-in-law wouldn't have wanted it any other way than the focus to be on the Lord. And it was clear yesterday from what I saw and what I heard uh, that I'm sure Jesus was smiling as he looked down at seeing the family of God come together to uh, celebrate the life of, of one of their own. So thank you guys. Last week, we kicked off our new message series, The Light of the World. We talked about how Jesus came into this world as the true light. He could have easily come into this world in all the glory and majesty of a king, but he chose instead to come in meekness over majesty. We said last week that meekness is not weakness. It's actually strength under control. It's lowliness, humility, and gentleness. Over and over again, throughout the life that Jesus lived, he chose the lowly over the lofty. No one embodied meekness more than Jesus. And as his followers, we're called to do the same. And we talked about how to do this last week. So let me quickly review. How we do this is by first choosing Savior over self. This is a constant struggle as self always wants the majesty, the power, and the prestige. But we cannot ever be consumed with self. We must be consumed with the Savior. Second, we must choose serving over sitting, where we are contributors instead of just consumers. Majesty expects to be served while meekness actually serves. Third, we must choose forgiveness over bitterness. This can often be very difficult, but we must forgive because we have been forgiven. And last, we must choose thankfulness over ungratefulness. The Lord deserves our thankfulness because he is good. These are not always easy choices, but these choices represent what it means to follow Jesus. He is the light of the world, which means you and I as his followers must reflect his light in everything to everyone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for you being the light of the world. And especially at this time of year as we remember how you came into this world. Thank you, Father, that you chose to come in meekness instead of all your majesty. And we know one day we will get to see you in all your majesty. And what a marvelous and miraculous day that'll be. But Lord, I pray right now that you'd prepare our hearts for the word of God. Tune our eyes and our ears to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is our second week in this series as we prepare to celebrate this Christmas together. 
The title for today's message is Joy Over Justice. Joy Over Justice. Jesus came to this earth the first time bringing great joy. When he comes again, he will bring great justice. Had he come to this earth the first time bringing the justice that we all deserve, we would all have been doomed to live in hell forever. Because that is the just punishment for sin. Spiritual death. Eternity in hell. But God did not come to this earth to condemn us to hell as we all deserve. The great joy is that he came to this earth and took the justice upon himself. That all that we deserve. This is the good news that brings great joy. This is the good news that an angel of the Lord pronounced to the shepherds who were tending their flocks nearby where Jesus was born. The angel said to them in Luke chapter 2, in verses 10 and 11, he said, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the same great joy that the wise men experienced when they saw the star that would lead them to the Savior of the world that had been born to all of us. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with what? Exceedingly great joy. Now again, why is this such great joy? Because joy was born to us in the person of Jesus Christ. But justice says there must be punishment for sin. And all of us are sinners. The Bible tells us there is no one righteous, no, not one. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this sin deserves death because the wages of sin, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, is death. That's spiritual death. That's eternal separation from God forever. But that same verse continues and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to look at this verse. Notice the comma right in the middle. To the left of that comma is talking all about death. Because that's where sin leads, death. I think of those street preachers on the side of the street, right? That would sit there, you're going to hell! (laughs) Turn or burn! That's the truth. It is the truth. But look at the right side of the comma. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the joy right there. Sometimes we spend too much time on the left side of this comma, don't we? In talking with people. People need to see the joy. Look to the right. It's right there. I'm so glad that God did not leave us in our sins. He did not leave us to the future we all deserve, which is death. That would be justice. No, he chose instead to make a way for us to be saved, forgiven, and spend eternity with him when there was no other way. No, he chose instead to make a way for us. He took upon himself at the cross the justice we all deserve. And he sacrificed his life for you and me. He died, was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave. This is the good news. This is the reason for great joy. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 shows us the great love that leads to this great joy. Here it is. Jesus said this himself. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why did he do this? Because he chose joy over justice. He chose joy over justice. What you see right here in this text is probably one of the most memorable, most memorized verses in the Bible. This is the great joy. Jesus is the greatest gift we could ever receive. And this is what makes Christmas so special. Because the Savior of the world was born to us to save us from our sins. Now, verse 17 is really important. Notice that it says that the world might be saved. Might be. It doesn't say that the world will be saved, as if we all will automatically and universally be saved. No, salvation is not automatic, nor is it universal. It is a choice, and the choice is open to everyone. You can choose joy, or you can choose justice, but you must choose. If you, by faith, put your complete trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, which is to be born again, you will receive his salvation, which is the forgiveness of our sins and then to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's the good news of Jesus Christ that brings such great joy. But if you don't choose, you will automatically receive justice. Jesus came to this world the first time to offer us all a way to be saved through him, bringing great joy. When he comes again, he will bring great justice. He came the first time on a lowly donkey, which was a symbol of peace. Now, I don't want you to miss this peace. It wasn't peace in the world as if if he was settling all the conflict in the world. It wasn't like we're talking about everyone sitting around in a giant circle, Indian style, holding hands and singing Kumbaya. That is not the peace we're talking about here. It is so much bigger than that. He came to make peace with God. That's the peace the Word of God talks so much about. Without peace with God, there is wrath from God. And that's the wrath God poured out on his son, Jesus, on the cross for all of our sins. Jesus satisfied God's wrath by being our substitute for the payment of our sins. But this substitute, this payment for our sins, this peace with God that brings such great joy is only available to us if we choose to receive it by faith. Jesus' first coming was marked by riding a lowly donkey bringing great joy. But his second coming will be much, much different. He won't be coming on a humble donkey for his second coming. He will be coming on a war horse, bringing great justice. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, reveals the contrast of what we will see when he comes again. Watch this. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Now, I saw... We're talking about John the Apostle. He's the one speaking here. This is the one that Jesus gave the revelation to, and John wrote it it down. He said, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. 
Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a stark contrast from his first coming. We celebrate the birth of Jesus in his first coming because of the joy from the salvation that he offers us, which when we choose to receive it, we will then have peace with God. But his second coming is not about joy. It's all about justice. And this justice will be poured out on everyone who has not made the decision to follow him by faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9 through 9, reveals to us specifically who is due this justice. Who will receive this justice when he comes again? Here it is. Verse 7. He, meaning Jesus, will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on who? On those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Who is that? These are people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. That's who we're talking about here. Verse 9. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. You see, this is serious. And this is very clear who will be the recipients of this justice. Now, listen to me very closely. All of us will be judged. Every single one of us will be judged. But there's a huge difference in what kind of judgment it will be for those who have a relationship with Jesus and those who don't. Those who don't, judgment will be condemnation. Those who do, judgment will be evaluation. The judgment we will all receive will either be one of these two, condemnation or evaluation. One will be punishment for their sin and the rejection of the joy that could save them, and the other will be giving an account of what you did with what God gave you. As Christ followers, the great joy is that we will not receive condemnation because Jesus already received that for us on the cross. That's it. A couple amens. Come on, man, that is some joy right there. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. But those who choose not to have a relationship with Jesus and who refuse to obey the good news will receive exactly what the Scripture on our screen shows. Eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and His glorious power. That's the difference between choosing heaven or hell. So why wouldn't we choose joy? That is the question for all of mankind today. Why would we not choose joy that could save us? Sadly, there are millions of people in the world today who have not and will not ever choose this joy. Christmas is a time to celebrate the great joy of Jesus, that God loved us so much that he sent his very own son to be our savior, the light of the world born to a virgin as a baby in a humble stable who then lived a perfect life. Perfect life of obedience, fulfilling all that God required of him so that salvation would be available to us. It's available, but it's not automatic. We must choose joy over justice. God is incredibly patient. He does not want anyone to perish, 
but he wants everyone to come to repentance where we change our mind about our sin and the direction our lives are going. And we do this by no longer following our own way, and we choose instead to follow God's way by placing our complete faith and trust in Jesus. There is still time to receive this joy. There's still time. But one day, that time will be up. It won't last forever. I said yesterday during my father-in-law's memorial service, I said, we are one breath away from eternity all of us today is the day of salvation today there's no time to waste there's no time to wait today is the only day we have because we are no none of us are guaranteed tomorrow and there's some and here's something incredibly amazing while at the same time being incredibly disappointing and frustrating there are many who profess that they have received this joy And yet when you look at their lives and you listen to their words, there is something incredibly off because there's no joy. You would think that someone who has repented of their sins and turned to Jesus as their Lord and Savior would be full of joy. They should be overflowing with joy because of the forgiveness of their sins through the gift of salvation that the Lord has so graciously given them. And yet, they are often bitter, cold, and critical. How in the world is this possible? How can someone who has experienced grace beyond measure and a joy that passes all understanding still be joyless instead of joyful? It's because they are joy suckers instead of joy sowers. Joy suckers suck the joy right out of life. It doesn't matter how great things are, these kinds of people just suck the joy right out of the room. I'm sure you've been with people like that. You've been in that room before. You know what that's like. You're in that room and suddenly all the joy is gone. You're looking at me very self-righteously right now. I feel it. I feel the judgment. Remember that next time you're in a room and somebody sucks the joy out. You'll remember. But a joy sower is someone who sows joy into everything and everyone. These kinds of people are overflowing with Jesus in their life. You can actually see and hear Jesus in them because they are actually living out being the light of the world. Joy sowers give joy while joy suckers take joy. It's really the difference between giving and taking. Another way to look at it is you think about God has called us to be the light of the world, right? Joy suckers are people who block the light. They hide the light. Joy sowers, on the other hand, shine the light. They reflect Jesus. Joy sowers will choose conviction over comfort. They will choose conviction over convenience. And they will choose conviction over complacence. Joy sowers don't want their ears tickled. They want and they need to hear the truth, and then they go obey the truth. They know that conviction is what leads to repentance and ultimately a realignment of their heart to God, which is exactly where the source of true joy is. Joy suckers, on the other hand, they tend to complain constantly. They tend to find fault in everything, and they are not shy about sharing their criticism. And unfortunately, this criticism can be incredibly hurtful. 
Joy suckers are also quick to point out the need for justice for everyone else except themselves. They choose justice over joy instead of joy over justice. We need to choose joy. And listen, we are not God. And yet some of us act like we are. Or we act just like the Pharisees. Well, we put on this appearance of religion. Oh, we're so good at putting on that appearance, aren't we? We put on that fake veneer as if everything's okay and we're perfect and everyone else is not. But our words and our actions will then show there really isn't any relationship at all with Jesus. You see, following Jesus is not about behavior modification. It is all about a heart transformation, a heart that is aligned with the word of God, because that's where the real joy is. The life of a true follower of Christ is marked by joy. But unfortunately, we don't see much of this today. And it's really no different than what it was during the time of the prophet Zephaniah which was several hundred years before Jesus was even born. After God had given the promised land to them, to Israel, he warned them over and over again that if they turned away from him, he would uproot them from the land that he had given them, and he would make them a mockery to the whole world. Sadly, the nation of Judah failed to listen and obey God. They turned away from God, and they turned to false gods like Baal and Moloch. We see that happening today, don't we? still all kinds of gods that people are turning to they scoffed at all the prophets that god sent to warn them and turn them back to him so for nearly two-thirds of the book of zephaniah we read of god's judgment and then near the end of the book the message that zephaniah spoke it suddenly changes it changes to the remnant to those who are faithful to god To those who take God's warning seriously and repent of their sins, the Lord offers a message of pure joy. A message of joy instead of justice. And then the prophet Zephaniah records in chapter 3, verse 14, he records this. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. We just sung that song, Shout to the Lord. I did that on purpose, by the way. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. These are the kinds of sounds that we hear all over the radio right now as we celebrate Christmas and get prepared for that. But notice that all the verbs in this verse are commands. Sing, shout, be glad, rejoice. Now, why in the world would God have to command his people during Zephaniah's day and for us today to rejoice, especially during the most wonderful time of year. The first reason comes from Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, which tells us that we have God's law written on our hearts, and he has given us a conscience that lets us know that every time that we don't measure up, and because of this, we know we actually deserve judgment instead of joy from God. That's what we deserve. Yet his mercy and his grace brings true joy. We need that reminder. Second, the second reason God commands us to rejoice is because we often try to find joy in all the wrong places. More than any other time of year, Christmas brings out all kinds of hidden idols. Alcohol, gifts, 
Santa, reindeer, stuff, and more stuff, vacations, family, friends. While much of these things can be gifts from God, they are not God. If we pursue joy or happiness from anyone or anything other than God, we are in effect worshiping an idol. If you've been trying to find joy in gifts rather than in the giver, then the command to rejoice is first the command to repent, to change your mind in the direction of your heart from all of the artificial sources of joy and to turn to the Lord God Almighty, the one and only true source of joy. And the third reason that we're commanded to rejoice is because there's a little part of each of us that thinks the good news of Christmas is just too good to be true. We tend to think, where's the fine print on this joy that we are to receive? What strings are going to be attached? That's human nature. It's incredibly difficult for us to grasp that the forgiveness of our sins and the peace and joy that results are free gifts to us from God. And there's something all three of these reasons have in common. They place our focus on us and on our circumstances here on this earth instead of where our focus should be at Christmas time and all year through, on the Lord and what he has done for us. And if our joy is focused on him instead of on us and on our circumstances, then it won't matter what our lives look like. It won't matter whether our home is perfect. It won't matter whether we can afford the best and shiniest gifts. It won't matter if we can afford or even have a family fun vacation. It won't even matter if our health is failing if our finances are failing, or if anything else in our life is failing or is less than ideal, because we will be filled with joy regardless of our circumstances. Why? Because the Lord has taken the justice we all deserve. He chose joy over justice. He took the punishment we all deserve upon himself. He squashed our enemy, crushed death and hell forever. We need never to fear worry or doubt again now let's be real the best this world can offer us is only temporary it may appear to be a momentary break from reality it may appear to satisfy us or bring us joy but it's all just an illusion this world can never ever satisfy nor can it ever bring true lasting joy that is the great deception of our enemy is that this world can satisfy us that this world is what we need. If we could just have the perfect marriage, if we could just have the perfect home, the perfect car, the perfect pet, the perfect, you fill in the blank. The cycle of this getting and having this, this, this stuff is infinite. It's like walking in a circle over and over again. Nothing on this earth during our lifetime will ever be perfect, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we pursue it because it was never intended to be that way. Our hope, our joy, our fulfillment, it's not here on this earth. Man, if you're looking for it on this earth, you are looking in the wrong places. This earth is not our home. We were made for eternity. We were made to spend this eternity with God. It doesn't matter what this world has to offer. It, will, it can never, ever measure up to the richness and fullness of God himself. He is the source of true love, of true hope, of true joy, and true fulfillment. Nothing else can even compare. So where is your hope this Christmas? Where is your joy? 
The Lord left his place in heaven. He humbled himself and became a helpless little baby who grew up as a man. A man who would become our savior. He lived a completely perfect life. Obeying and fulfilling all that God required of him. God sent his one and only son into this world to save us. That is the message of Christmas. A savior was born to us. He came to wipe away every tear from our eyes. He came to save us from our sins by offering mercy, forgiveness, and hope. He came to give us joy instead of justice. If that doesn't bring us true joy this Christmas, then nothing ever will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you came bringing joy, not justice. And I pray right now, if there's someone here that has never committed their life to you, that today would be that day, that they would experience the fullness of your joy today. They'd be, they would be reminded that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they have purpose, that you love them, Lord, and that all the problems and things they're experiencing in this life are, are of no consequence compared to what you can do for them and in them and through them. I pray today that every stronghold would be broken in people's lives. Everything that has them running and scampering around trying to keep up and, and, and just the urgent is screaming over the important. All those things, Lord, I pray that it just gets squelched and that we see that the only thing that matters is a relationship with you because that's what brings true joy. Everything else is empty and will not satisfy. Thank you, Lord, that your son, Jesus, is what satisfies, is the greatest gift we could ever receive. We praise your mighty and holy name today. In Jesus' name, amen. How are you guys feeling? You guys ready for next week? Next week is Christmas Eve, and we're going to have a special service next week. It'll be the same time, 10 a.m. Um, I'll give an abbreviated message because we've got some other things planned for that day, got some kids that'll get involved. And so I, I would encourage you to invite your friends and family to come and be here with us. The nursery and the kids will all be here in the service with us next week as we celebrate the birth of our Savior together. And so I look forward to seeing you next week. For those of you that need prayer, you've got something on your mind, the Lord maybe pricked your heart some, some way and you want prayer, come forward. Let me pray with you. Others can pray with you. But don't leave here until you've settled what God has stirred up in your heart. Love you guys. Have a great week. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs>